Well, top of the morning to you. It's our Tuesday key market drivers call uh, for April 11th. Uh, we're going to get into it here today. As always, we'd love to hear from you. There's our contact information. So I think it, when we look at what's when we look at what's driving markets right now, obviously we had a relatively quiet week. Uh, we really got no follow through last week at all on the bullish story that came out of, especially for uh, um, uh, the soy complex, that bullish story that came out of the big reports on the 31st of March. But nothing was really down a lot. I think we had canola and palm oil up a bit last week. Everything else was down, but, you know, uh, point something percent to two and a half percent, I think, is kind of the range that catches most of the grains and oil seeds. And why is that? Well, right now we're kind of stuck in, in some of these crops we've got. Uh, and I think uh, Scott called it out this morning when we were just talking about the slides. But we've kind of got four different weather stories that Paige will, will tell you about here. But the four stories are decent weather across the Midwest. It's warming up pretty nice. A lot of get us out of the gate pretty good for planting. We'll talk more about that. We've got some dicey weather up in the Dakotas. On the good side, we have a big rebound in corn planted area that's expected and plenty of moisture. Uh, the bad news is most of that moisture is still above the surface of the soil in the form of snow and ice. And so are we going to get the crops in up there? We've still got the hard red winter wheat story that we've beat to death here in recent months. It just won't rain where they grow hard red winter wheat. And we've got good weather still in uh, Brazil and the Sabrina corn crop is looking good. So better actually. Yeah, better. So well, Paige will talk a bit more about uh, some of the estimates uh, moving higher here when we get to the weather side of it. But so you kind of got the whole push and pull thing uh, going in different uh, different directions there. I mentioned the better U.S. planting weather. Uh, Scott will talk a bit more about the, <coughs> the Russian situation. Uh, Scott, you have shocking there in all capital letters. <laughs> Is well, that a, a bit of sarc attempted sarcasm using font. Well, I should have changed the font, probably. Um, that that they tried to make a story out of this yesterday, and and maybe a little bit over the weekend again. But honestly, it it it's the same old story. Nothing really has changed. Uh, maybe so Putin being difficult is is the norm. Is that what you're trying to convince? Well, I suppose so. I mean, maybe the one thing that's that's changed is now we're hearing it from Lavrov. The uh, their foreign minister, you know, he had to come out. Maybe it was his turn in the barrel or something. I'm not sure, but so the, the story goes that they came out and and uh, again have been talking with Turkey. Turkey's been trying very hard, uh, and you know they get probably kudos for trying and keep trying, um, which maybe isn't a, as much kudos because they've always been still buying from Russia the whole time. The only but, thing you're giving them credit. For they haven't taken their ball and gone home. That's yet. right. That's right. But they're not happy with how the game's going, apparently. So I I guess it was uh, we've kind of known this all along, but now we actually have read it now in the in the articles is that, hey, we want um, to get back in the Swift banking system. That's the biggest thing. And if and if you don't allow us back in there, we will walk away in May. Now we've known that. The, the the but this is the first time that Lavrov now has come out and said, oh, and by the way, if we don't get this figured out, Ukraine's going to have to go back to exporting their stuff via only the um, uh, rail and and river routes. Russia will reclose their seaports. Yep, they'll reclose all those seaports. Now 
we've known that, but that again, that's the first time that a national news source has actually printed that uh, in quite some time. So that's really, I thought that was uh, a good fallout that we need to remember that that's what the stakes are right now. If if it doesn't get extended, that will be the uh, uh, the deal. All of a sudden, you're going to really close that spigot of the stuff coming out of Ukraine. Market doesn't seem to be overly worked up about it. Nope. I mean, the wheat market to me is you'd think it'd be more worked up about this and you'd think it might be a little bit more worked up about the poor conditions that uh, I don't know if you want to talk about winter wheat conditions here. You want to wait. Well, yeah, I guess I'll do this all at the same time. The market, to Dave's point, really doesn't seem to be too fuzzed up about it. And I think the reason is because we've already got a pretty sizable premium in in, in things. Yeah. Yeah, I guess now it's not you know, we're not talking about nine dollar um kansas city wheat although we're not far away um but yeah the, i don't think the market today feels that it has to go back up over that nine dollar range especially when you compare uh, the export values of our wheat versus everybody else's wheat in the world so i, I think we our our market players think that we've got enough um uh, risk premium built in right now so back to conditions total Winter wheat conditions you see there nationally actually went down one to 27 percent. Yeah. Now that's being held up mainly by um, soft red winter wheat, as we know. Soft red winter wheat was at 65.8. That's up over three percent week over week. Um, the hard red winter wheat actually went down 21 and a half percent. Now these are the the big six, as I call them. Big six for soft wheat and big six for hard wheat. Hard wheat went down three tenths from 21.5 to 21.2. Um, if we don't get something, you know, from a rain perspective, something's got to give here very, very quickly. Um, if we don't get something turning quickly here in the next, call it two weeks, um, by the middle of the month here in April, I don't know if we'll have a washout, but you're going to have to really start dialing down those uh, hard red uh, production numbers in Kansas and Oklahoma. Yeah, it's a, it is a tough situation. We've also got a WASD today. Uh, as many of you are familiar, we often, when there's a Tuesday WASD, which we haven't had one in a while, Not in a while. Um, we will often move our Tuesday calls back a day so that we can catch the WASD results. Uh, decided not to do that because the April WASD, honestly, is not too big a deal. Uh, it's next month's WASD that the market will be watching. And why? Well, the May WASD is when the USDA will come out with their first official crack, I suppose, at the new crop balance sheets. Now, we talked about them at the Outlook Conference at the end of February. Um, I guess they came from the USDA, so they're official at the Outlook Conference, but that's not their official estimates. I'm not sure exactly what de delineates that, but the May WASD uh, is the important one. Today's WASDs, uh, they will maybe diddle a little bit with uh, because of pace data with some of the demand numbers, but they really won't change anything on the uh, production side. So. The other thing we get next month is the last uh, report for the wheat marketing year. Yep. That's that's a good point there, a good call out. So, well, let's just keep moving here. Speaking of that WASD, here are the expectations. You can see uh, ending stocks for the current crop year up at the top. Uh, market is looking for a little bit lower corn ending stocks, a little bit lower soybean ending stocks, uh, and about the same whisker higher on the wheat ending stocks. But you can see they're all 
relatively minor uh, adjustments is what the trade's looking for. So probably take the corn export number up a little bit. Um, I wonder if it's that stocks number that the trade has got soybeans lower. Bill didn't think that they would really adjust that much. And I don't know that the pace data tells us they need to raise exports. So uh, I would think that the, the trade might be expecting the USDA to react to that stocks number and maybe make their take the residual higher. Bill doesn't think they'll do that to the June 1 last But again, we're talking about methodology here. Uh, we'll know more as we get down the road a bit. Uh, markets looking for a modest uptick in Brazil production, as we've mentioned. Uh, weather's been pretty good down there. Paige will talk about that, talk about Dr. Cordonier's estimates here uh, in just a minute. And the trade's looking for some pretty sizable reductions, as you can see in Argentina. The weather there has just been uh, historically disastrous. I think we're talking about like a hundred year sort of drought uh, in Argentina, I read somewhere. So. Anything, any call out there on the world stuff uh, that you could see on wheat, Scotty? No, no, they're looking to maybe call it down a bit, but just moving deck chairs. All right, just moving deck chairs. So let's get into, let's uh, develop the story a little bit uh, here about uh, the snow cover situation. These areas we start talking about, the, the market's already talking prevent plant, already talking can't get stuff in the ground. Uh, here's one way of looking at this. This is snow cover uh, national map uh, that is up through yesterday. So you can see we're starting to move that line further up. And as an overlay, and Scott, did you put this slide together? This is mm -hmm. this yep. is fabulous. You can see where we plant spring wheat right here. You can see where we plant soybeans uh, in the uh, how where those are condensed right there. You can see corn planting here. And so when you start looking at this, uh, we grow a decent amount of corn and beans. Uh, clearly in uh, Minnesota, parts of South Dakota, and then up in here into the Red River Valley in, in North Dakota. <coughs> Obviously, spring wheat. Look at how much of the spring wheat has grown right there underneath all that snow cover. So uh, farmers are going to be hustling. But Bill did a bit of analysis here, kind of a, a little bit of a different way to look at the same thing. These are as of the end of March. But build a little bit of analysis on just looking back at history. And you can see another couple of years, we had a lot of snow uh, up in the Dakotas back in 18 and 19. Where's my cursor? You can see here, here's North Dakota, um, 18 and 19. You can see it's far worse this year than we've had uh, really in recent memory. Uh, Bill went back and looked at some of these other analog years to try to figure out kind of what to kind of frame up what we might expect to lose um, his swag. And again, a lot of this swag is going to depend on Mother Nature uh, and how this all comes down. But his swag is that we could very easily lose uh, 700,000 to a million acres of corn uh, up in North Dakota that we could lose, you know, uh, uh, 300,000 to 500,000 in each corn in the spring wheat Durham category. So. Uh, it certainly, in Bill's analysis, if anybody's had time to look at that email and read it, there have been years that it's been a hell of a lot worse than those numbers. Those those are kind of swags right down the middle uh, based on not knowing what the hell Mother Nature is going to give us over the course of the next two or three weeks here. But uh, that's something that the market is watching very, very closely. However, the rest of the U.S. is kind of warming up nicely. You can see from the temperatures here, we're not quite to the spot where we've got warm enough soil to start planting corn in the Midwest. Uh, 55 degrees, I believe, is soil temperature it takes to, to germinate corn. But and we're going to be 80 today. Yeah, we're and getting there in a hurry. 
Uh, talked to cousin Tim yesterday, and uh, he's just north of the Omaha area here, eastern Nebraska, and he is getting ready. And, and I wouldn't doubt that he's throwing dirt clods today. He's got the diesel idling, if nothing else. That's huh? right. He's ready to roll. So, yeah, we we are getting very, very close. I think we're kind of waiting for – we're able to find a good slide on the insurance dates, but I think it's about April 15th here, isn't it? I think so. Um, and so we are we are ready to start, uh, as you call it, farming in road gear, and we certainly don't have any moisture problems around here that's going to uh, slow us up. So that's kind of the story there. Um, you can see the Cordonier estimates there, Paige. We'll talk a bit more about those in a bit. But uh, I think when you look at the corn market, kind of that one thing that still seems to be looming kind of on the bullish side here is that, oh, my God, how many corn acres are we going to lose because of that snowpack up in the uh, uh, the northern plains? But uh, I would say that that might be the lone bullish peg that I can really see here. I mean, uh, you could obviously talk about if Putin shuts off Ukrainian ports again, but I think the market has kind of, uh, over the course of the last year, learned how to live without some of those Ukrainian bushels. That would certainly be a, bull, a bit of a bullish shock as well. But on the bearish side, I mean, we got we talked about North American weather, we talked about Brazilian weather. Um, you know, we got some warm temperatures here that ought to help farmers get out in the field and. As you all know, uh, there is a positive correlation. Now, it's not 100%, but there is a very positive correlation between early planting and better yields. So uh, that's kind of been, I think, leaning on markets just a bit. Probably too early to start talking about corn planting. We got 3% of the crop in. We're normally two, but blah, blah, blah. We'll really start seeing, I think, some of these big Midwestern states here over the course of the next, if not week, the next two weeks at this weather forecast. Uh, holds, uh, start seeing those numbers start going up pretty quick. What do you got for us on wheat, Scott? Well, I mentioned earlier the, the pricing. So look at that second bullet there and just look where our hard red winter wheat is way, I mean, nobody's going to buy our hard red winter wheat because there's just not enough of it and we've got it priced well high enough that it that Please we're not don't buy any right exactly we don't know if we're going to have any but look at the soft red winter wheat that's our highest uh class of wheat in terms of stocks 289 at that's the goals a hundred dollar a ton yep discount out of the u.s yep uh, for and, hard and soft and and so that's fob the gulf now compare that with where ukraine again no quote but they traded last week at 272 and again russia no no quote there but also traded last week at 275. So that gives you an idea of where we're at in the world. And you think, well, that's not too bad, 289 versus you know mid 270s. Well, don't forget we have to go across a, a big pond. They've also got the less freight than we've got. Much so, less freight. Yeah. yeah. So I, I think that's probably the call out there. Otherwise, you know, no, nothing really has changed too much. All right. Well, let's hop in. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. I forgot about this slide. Put this, this slide in. Slide. This is from uh, our good friend Karen Braun over at Reuters. She put this this out there and, and did a really good job. This is Kansas and, and the nine big reporting districts in Kansas. OK, in the orange, you see their percentage of annual state production. So you get your biggest production out of those two uh, south central and southwest uh, reporting districts. And then in the purple, it shows you their normal percent of normal precipitation since this past fall, October through March. 
not so good. And then in blue, the little number in blue is their dryness ranking out of the last 128 years. So if you go in the far left-hand, lower left-hand corner, that's number three. That means it's the third driest ranking out of 128 years in Southwest Kansas. It's pretty dry. Yeah, that is pretty dry. That is a great map. That gives you a great visual of uh, kind of what's going on there. Uh, I'll tell you what, there's no place, and you get over here in the east, you can see we just don't do a lot of uh, wheat over here. But when you look at the the center and the west, that is the highest percent of normal precip since we put this crop in the ground, and it's only 61%. That uh, That is crazy. That is crazy dry. Anything on the, probably not want to talk about that. You talked about. Yeah, I already did that. Yep. That's just all the background. Spring wheat planting, as you can see, you know, Washington and Idaho were, were, you know, they're going to have to pull the boat here for a while uh, because we ain't going to do anything in North Dakota or South Dakota or Minnesota for a bit. I mean, we'll be lucky to have much spring wheat in the ground by the time you get to the third week of uh, April, I would think. Of yeah, the- well, I would hope. I would hope that we are close to maybe 40, 50 percent at the end of the month. That's where you'd like to be at the end of the month. I don't know if we'll get there. Yeah, I don't, that, that uh, seems to be a, a, a bit of a a bit of a stretch. So I, I forgot to talk about it, but corn uh, lost the same 17 cents last week that it gained the week before. Uh, Soy complex was also down last week, although we didn't lose uh, uh, the gains that we made the week before with that big crop report. Uh, You can see not a huge week there. Meal continues to lead the complex lower, but I don't think that's a big surprise. Uh, If you got a ration crush, oil is going to be the stronger of the two, uh, most likely. And then also, um, I just think we've called out in the past that gigantic or what was a gigantic spec long position on the soybean meal side of the things. They've been liquidating, but still hold quite a bit. You can see Cordonier upped his estimates there. Again, more on that from uh, Paige. And when you look at the bullish side of things, you know, you're still in the in the low 80s here uh, for crude oil prices. That's kind of supporting the federal market a bit. Uh, I thought it would support it a little bit more than it has, but uh, it has been a bit supportive. Uh, we got this tight stocks thing. I mean, we need, we're going to be snug this year. We need to make a crop or we're going to be really snug again next year. But I think weighing on the bearish side, this big Brazilian crop gets bigger. The old cliche, big crops get bigger. Well, that's what the Brazilian crop looks like. The, the deeper we wade into harvest here, and we're coming down the, very much down the home stretch, that looks like a monster crop. And then I, I have a mistake in the bottom right. It's Argentina lot launched a yet another soy dollar program. Um, they are desperate to increase their world currency pre- uh, reserves. Uh, they are out of money. That economy has been in disaster mode for ye- how many for years? I mean, th- their economy is just teetering on the edge. They've got inflation running about a hundred uh, about a hundred percent right now. Uh, and they continue what they do, what the soy dollar program is, um, because soybeans trade in the world market in U.S. dollars. The Argentine government will, from time to time, to try to get farmers to sell beans, because remember, farmers hoard their beans, because why would you ever want to sell your beans and turn them into pesos? Because the pesos are going to be worth less tomorrow than today. So they don't sell their beans till they need cash to buy something right the same, the same uh, point in time. What the Argentine government does is they offer grain handlers, which then pass this back through to farmers, they offer the big grain handlers uh, a better 
exchange rate than the officially dictated government exchange rate to try to get them to sell their soybeans so that they can increase currency reserves. So uh, it's a uh, finger in the dike sort of thing, but they run it, seem like they're running it more frequently here of late, but this is the, they ran it, I think, like what part of November and December, and here we are again. Uh, but they haven't done this in again. quite a while. Well, they did it last fall. No, I mean, but prior to last fall. Uh, yeah, you, it probably was, you probably might have to go back a year or so, but yeah, they seem like they're getting more frequent with it. Vegetable markets, I mean, palm oil is still in the same range, blah, blah, blah. We we are seeing the Canadians doing a pretty good job of dragging some of this demand back in the boat that they lost the prior year with that disastrous crop. Uh, you are now at this point, you got uh, canola seed exports. Uh, you're, you're almost caught up to the five-year average here, and you're actually a little bit above the five-year average on crush. So um, they are doing quite a good job uh, with the lower prices of trying to get things uh, pulled back in the boat here. Uh, a little bit surprised the palm oil market wasn't a bit stronger yesterday. We had a palm oil market that really didn't do much yesterday at all, but we had a pretty bullish um, palm oil stocks number. We came in, you know, remember the market was looking for something down around 1.8. We came in just under 1.7. Uh, I think, again, the, part of the problem here is just that, you know, we're in kind of at that point of the year where the trees are going to start producing more. And that's the thing that that really, I think, stuck out on that report that caused some people that might have wanted to otherwise be bullish. The production number was actually higher than expected. And so some people say, oh, geez, that maybe bodes well for these trees producing better as we get out into um, the warmer times of the year. So. Let me show you something here on the spec positions. Um, specs buying corn again, specs buying beans again, as we get a little bit of a story. Um, would you have something on wheat? I, I'm just going to say we need to back up and get dairy on the way by. But Oh, yeah, we'll back up and get dairy um, on the way by. I wanted to show you this report. We talked about this last week. Dan in our office produced this. This is the Fed funds rate, these two lines. This is the top and the bottom of it. This is spec money. Uh, in some of the major ag markets. And you can see that that money, as we talked about a week ago, is kind of bleeding uh, out of the market. It's uh, seeking better pastures, and those better, better pastures are the orange and blue lines right there uh, as represented by money market rates. So, Well, real, real quick on dairy, not a lot happened this past week. Go forward one more slide, Dave. But the, the, the pricing you can see there on the cheese, we've kind of uh, you know, we were at 210, we went all the way down to 180, and now it seems like we've, we've bounced up just a little bit. We had a holiday last Friday for Good Friday. <clears throat> so 185 on the cheese markets, um, pretty decent supplies in the marketplace, and, and I think kind of keeping a pressure on things. Still plenty of, of uh, cheap milk, and it's available, uh, and you've got uh, uh, most of the country is running uh, pretty pretty hard. Uh, on the butter side of things, again, we just can't get out of those 230s. Um, we did see global dairy trade numbers uh, last week for butter go down again, down 3.2%. Uh, but look at the, where that uh, global dairy trade number is at, 208. We're still the high guy in the world at 235. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, we, we would hope that that brings a little more pressure to our uh, to our pricing, we sure haven't seen it yet. And again, we keep waiting to see the you know the big uh, spring flush. 
still haven't quite got to what we would well, call spring flush. Spring's yet. late. Maybe spring flush is late. Let's just uh, hope spring's eternal, right? Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully. Anything else on dairy? Nope. That's pretty much it. All right. It's kind of one of those quiet dairy weeks. Well, thank you, Scotty. Um, let's just jump right into it here with Paige uh, and the weather. What's, uh, what's Mother Nature doing, Paige? Yeah, so it seems like we kind of touched on a lot of kind of the bigger factors that are kind of taking place in the weather markets here. Um, here in the U.S., uh, the stories are going to kind of be, when is all that snow going to melt in North Dakota? I know, I think before we started recording this, Nate said um, they don't have any snow left where he's at in New Prague, Minnesota. Um, and some nice. people are talking, what was that? Nice. Yeah. Um, some people are talking about just with how warm it's been this week. I know here in Omaha, we're going to be 80. Um, a lot of that North Dakota snow might melt, probably will melt. Um, I think the snow map said they had quite a bit of snow up there still. Um, if it melts too fast, then we have a different problem. Though, right? right. So it's going to be kind of out of the frying pan into the fryer. Um, <laughs> so we might get the snow off the ground, which is kind of what we're worried about now. But to your point, it's probably just going to flip right over into flooding because it seems like their uh, soil temps are still pretty uh kind of low up there so they probably still have some frost in the ground um so they won't be able to kind of absorb that as well as we could here kind of in nebraska we've been getting a little bit of rains here and there and i love it because i hate spring and i hate mud so we are dry enough that any rain that we get just goes straight into the ground um so obviously we could still use some more rain um, here in Nebraska, we're kind of one of the last really big corn producing states that uh, still needs some rain. The rest of the Corn Belt is looking pretty good. Um, and then obviously the other U.S. weather story is those uh, hard red winter wheat areas that we continue to talk about. Um, this is the last seven day precipitation map. You can see that they really didn't get any rains in those areas. Um, go ahead. No, I said white again. Yeah. Yep. So we're really kind of looking at that western edge of Kansas, that panhandle of Oklahoma, and a little bit west. And it just seems kind of relentless um, with how little rain they continue to get. Seems like everywhere else around them has been able to get some rains, but they are just uh, drawing the short end of that stick week after week. If you want to go forward one, this is the first time in what feels like weeks that I have seen any sort of color kind of over those areas that we were just talking about. Not, Not a lot of rain. either. No, but at some point you just gotta take what you can get and I'm sure that they will. Um, they continue to need a lot heavier rains, a lot more consistent rains. Um, but again, I don't think they're gonna complain with any rains that they get at this point. Uh, if you wanna flip forward one. <laughs> Uh, this is kind of what I was talking about. Really, that eastern edge of Nebraska is kind of the last little piece of the Corn Belt that is really a little bit dry. If you look at everything else, um, everything is looking in pretty good shape, fairly average, if not above average, um, when it comes to that drought severity index. Um, and then otherwise, that paints a the pretty good picture of those uh, dry, hard red winter wheat areas. But really, that hasn't changed Um they have been in extreme drought for months and months and months. Um, so obviously they are going to continue to need some rain. If you want to flip forward, should be the longer term forecasts. 
Um, look, you could maybe argue that it's looking a little bit better. Um, this says over the next six to 10 and really eight to 14 days, it's probably gonna be cooler than normal. Um, it's really that eight to 14 day precipitation outlook that kind of caught my attention. It looks like um, there's kind of gonna be above average chances for precipitation, not hugely above average, um, chances for precipitation and it pretty well covers all of those uh, dry winter wheat areas that we continue to harp on. Um, so hopefully that can kind of bring some of those rains to fruition. I know it seems like week after week uh, there may be forecasted to get some rains, but then the next week you look at the past seven day forecast and they got nothing. So hopefully if, if, if we can get that page, if we can get that precipitation, little as it may be, and not have heat, mm -hmm. that's the key. That is absolutely the key. We have, you know, that that's kind of a double-edged sword there. You know, we must have the rain. That's the very, very first thing. But the second thing is we have to keep it kind of cool. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so well, we will kind of, we all kind of keep an eye on this. Um, I'm sure we are all well aware that once you get out in that eight to 14 day forecast window, it, it can change in a hurry. Um, yeah. So we will keep an eye on that. If you want to flip forward, that's probably all I had on us. If you want to, there we go, flip to South America. Um, I think Dave mentioned it earlier, but Cordonier took up his corn and soybean estimates up to um, in Brazil, and that's pretty much just on the back of continued really good rains. Um, a lot of those heavier kind of patches of rains have moved out of the forecast. We're not seeing as much of those anymore, um, which has kind of eased some concerns of too much rain in those areas. But really, we're seeing some good widespread continued rains across Brazil. Um, I think we've mentioned on previous calls the Safrina crop. Um, it's looking pretty good. We really got to kind of get to the end of April and have these seven and 14 day forecasts look pretty good to feel pretty confident about, about that crop. But at this point, um, it went in with good moisture. It's continued to get good moisture. And as far as the long-term forecasts look at this point, they are going to continue to get good moisture too. Um, so definitely not kind of out of the woods yet, but we're getting, we're getting closer. It's looking pretty good down in Brazil. Yeah. Well, thank you, Paige. Uh, that is a, our story this week, and I believe we are sticking to it. So, uh, as always, we would love to hear from you, comments, questions, um, and as always, be careful out there. <laughs>